All right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord together on a beautiful summer evening? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to have an awesome time in the word tonight. Uh, We're going to be, of course, continuing our summer in the Psalms, and we've been having a great time with that. It's also communion tonight. So if you're uh, watching from home, make sure you uh, get some elements and you can take those with us. And we're going to just have a really great time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's stay up together and we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America and we're going to keep believing that America is coming to Jesus and we're going to see revival and breakthrough in these end times. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Amen. All right. You may be seated. All right. Well, uh, Pastor Josh and Julie are over in Washington, D.C. tonight, so they are not with us, but uh, he's on a work trip out there, and uh, and so they're having a great time, but we will look forward to having them back on Sunday, and uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, so let's get into these announcements here, and, um, and make sure that you stay connected. I always want to remind you that a really good way to make sure you don't miss out on anything is to follow us on our social media pages, and we try to keep uh, announcements and stuff going going uh, pretty regularly on there. That way you always stay in the loop. All right. So first of all, tomorrow night is going to be our July servant leadership meeting. Amen. And it's important because uh, we're going to be starting our planning for Harvest Fest. Who's excited about that? Yeah. Hey, after looking at some of these temperatures, I'm real excited about Harvest Fest because, I mean, it's going to be a little cooler, amen? And so, of course, that is our biggest event of the whole year. And this year, it looks like for the first time out of a couple of years, we can finally get back to normal and doing, you know, our full-scale event that we love to do for the community. So, anyway, uh, but come on out tomorrow night at 6.30, and uh, we'll be handling the initial stages of Harvest Fest and also uh, planning some other things. And it's just a great way to get more more connected and uh, help us out around here to keep the church going the direction it needs to. Amen. And then the next thing is the men's fishing trip is going to be uh, this coming Monday, July 25th. And uh, we've got a sign up sheet back there at the info booth. Uh, we're going to be heading down to Balboa Pier in San Diego. And uh, a lot of the guys are going to meet here at the church at about 4 a.m. And you're like, well, that sounds way too early. Well, hey, listen, you got to get there while the fish are biting. So uh, we'll be leaving the church parking lot uh, sometime around 4 and uh, get there around 6 fish for a few hours while the fishing's good, and then we'll head back home. But uh, men, this is a really great chance to uh, connect with the guys and uh, have a little bro time. Men, do we need a little bro time? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Amen. All right. We'll we'll take that. So anyway, uh, come on out. And uh, Tim told me that you can rent fishing poles down there for about $20 if you need one. All right. Here's a big announcement. And I should have, we should have had this to you a little sooner, but uh, we are having a church-wide 
pool party. Let's do this. Yes. And so you're like, well, how are you going to fit everybody in the pool? Well, we have rented the entire city pool, all right? And so uh, we're really excited. We rented the whole thing to ourselves. It's going to be on Monday, August the 1st, from 6 to 9 p.m. And um, the church is going to be providing ice cream, ice cream sandwiches, all that fun stuff. Uh, so you just bring some drinks to share. And, uh, and, of course, you know what kind of drinks we like around here, right? Sprite and water. Amen. Very good. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be uh, uh, doing that, having a great time. But here's the thing. They do have a limit on how many people. They're wanting us to only have like 75 people in the pool. And I said, I don't think we can keep it that low, but we're going to do the best that we can. So um, there are uh, flyers on the info booth. Grab a flyer and there is some RSVP information. If you could just uh, do that for us, register that way. We have a better count. And I believe they said if we are going to go over the limit, they'll get us an extra lifeguard and we can uh, hire the amount of people that we can have there. But it's going to be really, really, really fun. So uh, register for that. Uh, and again, that's on the info booth. There's a QR code to scan. So make sure you do that. We want everybody to be there. We're going to have a super, super fun time with this. All right. Well, I think that's all the announcements for now. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time, and the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Uh, we're going to go ahead and um, open our Bibles to Psalm 37. Can we do that tonight? Psalm 37. Amen. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get you one. And, they, man, these guys like passing out envelopes. They really like doing it. So if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving and, uh, and do it that way. Praise God. All right, Psalm 37. And uh, there's a few verses here that really caught my attention today. Uh, we're going to be in the NLT, Psalm 37, verses 17 through 19. And as we can tell, the world around us is in a time of uncertainty. They're like, hey, what's going on? What's going to happen next? And we know that if we're serving the Lord, we can be secure. We don't have to fear like everybody else does. I was reading, I believe it was uh, Psalm 127 the other day, but it says, those who trust the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. And I'm like, man, that is us. We trust the Lord and we are secure because of that. But Psalm 37 verses 17 through 19, it says, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Do we have any godly people here tonight? Yeah, man, don't be ashamed to raise your hand. You're godly, and that's a good thing. The Lord's going to take care of you. Verse 18, it says, Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. But now check this out. Verse 19, it says, They will not be disgraced in hard times. And the world around us would qualify this as saying, yeah, well, we're in hard times right now. We've not seen things like this, many of us, in our entire lives, but we are not going to be disgraced in hard times. It says, even in famine, they will have more than enough. That's really good news. Now, we're not predicting or claiming famines to come upon us, but all I'm saying is this, that no matter what comes our way, if we are serving the Lord, if we are doing things His way, which would include serving Him, how His Word says, with our finances, being a tither and a giver, then we know that we ain't going to be disgraced in hard times, and we will always have more than enough. That is really good news tonight. Can we give the Lord some praise to together this evening. Amen. 
All right, well, let's stand up, and we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Amen. And we're going to have an awesome time of praise and worship tonight. We're going to worship the Lord, and then uh, we're going to take communion right after that and uh, get into Psalm 91, one of the best chapters. Man, everybody loves Psalm 91, so it's going to be an awesome, awesome night. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go, everybody. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah. 
been faithful to us, Jesus. We cannot deny that. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. It endures forever and ever and ever. Amen. Well, tonight is uh, our third Wednesday, and so we take communion on our third Wednesday night. And uh, so at this time, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come on up and get the elements. You can return uh, to your uh, row there. Remain standing when you get there, and we'll, uh, we'll share in the Lord's Supper together tonight. Amen. from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tonight. Um, you know, usually on a Sunday morning, we have a little more time to, to break some of this down, but uh, it's important to us that we do a Wednesday night communion because we realize that not everybody is able to be here on Sunday mornings, and so many of you guys work in some of the children's classes and stuff, and so it's very important that we get a, a chance to take communion together. It, it Communion is very, very important, uh, and in fact, uh, Jesus placed a great priority on it, but I want to read a few verses here. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 27, it says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And so I'm telling you, I, I want to do this the right way. I, I don't mess around with communion though. You know, there's, there's times that we joke. There's times that we, uh, you know, have a good time and cut up a little bit, but communion is not one of those times. And it tells us, uh, uh, that if we do it in an unworthy way, that we're sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that's why many of you are weak and sick and some people have even died. And so it's, uh, you know, that shows us the importance of, uh, of taking this time to examine our hearts, examine our lives. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute here tonight and, uh, examine and judge ourselves. And if the, if there's something that you know that you need to repent of, something that you need to make some changes on and talk to the Lord about, that's what we're going to do right now. So let's take just a minute to examine our own lives tonight.
you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice and for your love for us. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so, Jesus, we take this bread tonight, and, and we, we understand this represents your body that was broken for us. We do this, Lord, to remember you tonight. In Jesus' name. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we do this tonight to remember you and to thank you for your blood being shed for a new covenant, a better covenant with better promises. Lord, you are good, and we thank you. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands for just a minute tonight and give the Lord some thanks. Jesus, we thank you. And Lord, we understand that that your goodness hasn't been poured out upon us because we have earned it or we deserve it because we don't. But by your grace, you have poured out your goodness and your favor and your mercy and your healing and your health and your provision. Lord, you are good and we praise your name tonight we love you speak to us through your word this evening thank you jesus for all that you are hallelujah can we give the lord some praise together tonight amen all right well i'm gonna have pastor or as i call him dad uh come on up and he's gonna be doing psalm 91 for us tonight one of the most epic chapters that we've ever seen so thank you jesus let's have a good time tonight Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. I tell you what, you don't know how much I love this church. I love the people in this church and all the great things that's happened here for the time we've been here for the last 17 years. It's just so wonderful to see the lives changed. And they're changed because of what we're going to do tonight. What my son, Pastor Dave, does. I call him son. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's, uh, he's so bright, we call him Sonny. <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, let's see. I want to show you a couple things. First of all, you can turn to Psalms 91. I want to show you a couple things out of the bookstore. We just go silent or something. We're still talking. He's adjusting. Okay. Book here called What Faith Is. We're going to be teaching tonight again. Of course, on faith, that's my main thing. Comes out of me. I'm like a sponge. I got it in me. And you squeeze me, it comes out. So we're going to teach them what, on, on, on faith tonight, the language of faith from Psalms 91 specifically. But this book, What Faith Is, it's one of the books I studied years and years ago and still read books like this all the time, and they really helped me to stay sharp. What do you mean stay sharp? Well, it's like a knife or an axe or anything you use. You can sharpen it up, but if you use it, it gets dull. You have to keep it sharpened up to stay sharp. So it doesn't make any difference what kind of faith you had for past trials or challenges. If you used it, you got dull. You got to sharpen it up again. So I always read things like this to stay sharp. And this here is called Words. And we're going to be teaching about words from Psalms 91. 
And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, words to me is the major thing that will make you or break you. And it's pretty much in the Bible from cover to cover when you re- really begin to study faith in the Bible. And so tonight we look at Psalms 91. I, I want to ask you something. How many have been reading our devotional since I changed the format been doing the com- commentary I'm putting in it? Well, good, 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 because it's really, it's things that I've learned for the last 42 and a half years that's coming out of my heart as I make these little nuggets in there. And for the month of August, it's going to be about finances. And if there's ever a time the body of Christ needs to learn God's system of economics. God's system of economics. And uh, I can't hit bunny trails too much because we just don't have that much time. But uh, Christians, especially go to churches like this, you realize that you're operating in two, two worlds right now. You're in the world, not of the world. Your spirit got born again, and spiritually, you're operating from heaven. But in the natural world, you're operating through this world here. And so if you, if you, don't, learn, if you don't learn how to navigate through the spiritual, you won't be that successful in the natural. And so that's why we always teach the things we do like that. But for the finances... For uh, August, it's really going to help you for the times we live in to listen to all these things that I've went through for the month of August. Every day, every day, it's going to help you. So stay sharp with it. And so Psalms 91, for your notes, I've got a subtitle. And listen to this. This comes out of my heart because I live this way, and this has been in me for a lot of years. Psalms 91 will tell you how to live long and how to live strong. Psalms 91, my subtitle is How to Live Long and How to Live Strong. Now this verse 1 says, He that dwelleth or lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I want, to, I want to talk about this verse probably longer than the other verse I'm going to talk about because this sets the tone for the whole psalm. And so there's two major things I see in this one verse. Number one says, He that dwelleth lives in the secret place of the Most High. And I want you to hold your place. And I want to go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to look at verse 5 and 6 and show you what Jesus has to say about that. Because I think Jesus explains better than anybody in the Bible. What he's talking about here in verse 1, he that lives in the secret place of the Most High. How many have ever visited a really nice place and thought, man, I'd like to go back there again? And then how many have ever visited horrible places and thought, I'd never want to go there again? Well, he's telling you a spiritual place here, said you can live in the secret place of the Most High. And so then in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 5, Jesus says this, And when thou, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites are. How many know what a hypocrite is? That's a phony person. That's a person that says, it's for thee, but not for me. Tells you what you're supposed to do, but they never do it. But But they're fake, they're counterfeits. He says, don't be like a hypocrite when you're praying. They love to pray standing in the synagogues at the corners of the street. And here's what he's talking about this kind of prayer does, that they may be seen of men. It says hypocrites pray out in public 
real religious prayers that try to sound really good for one purpose, that they be, may be seen of men. And it says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And so this is talk about a double-agent Christian. A double-agent. They mix with one group and act like they're them, but really, they really belong to the other group. That's a double-agent. And so that's a hypocrite. It's a person that pretends to be a serious Christian in front of people in public, but they're really a counterfeit. They've learned the right words. They can talk the talk, but they don't dwell the secret place of the Most High. They get out in public and they act like it. They act like they're one of us, but they're phonies. And he says that they may have their reward, that they may be seen of men. And so what's the reward? There's reward is that carnal Christians and sinners think, oh, wow, oh, she's so spiritual. Oh, he knows God so well because they fool him. He said, don't be a hypocrite that talks really good and said that they may be seen of men. They fool a lot of people. They're deceivers. That's their reward. They don't live in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. And then verse 6 then, Jesus talks about, like I hope you are, he talks about Christians that do live in the secret place of the Most High, and he tells you how to get there. Verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. That's your secret place. And, uh, you know, you might have a special place you'd like to go and pray, but the main thing is that your prayer closet is the secret place of the Most High. And when I was a truck driver, a lot of times my secret place the Most High, my prayer closet was sitting in a break room with a bunch of truck drivers that didn't know Jesus, that were looking at dirty pictures, telling dirty jokes, doing all kinds of talk that's not at all how Christians should talk. All I would do, I'd sit in the midst of them, take my break with them, drink my Coke, drink my coffee, whatever I was eating, a sandwich, something like that. I'd just sit there and just close them out and begin to pray on the inside of me. Be able to talk to Jesus and just love him and go right to the secret place, wherever I was at. And I, I always kind of related that to a turtle. You know, a turtle's got a shell it carries everywhere. and has his head out for a while. But when danger comes, the turtle just pulls his head in the shell, gets to that secret place, that protection, and nothing could hurt it. And so we as Christians have to know the secret place of the Most High is our prayer closet. And the prayer closet, it's a spiritual place. It says, verse 6, he says, And when thou shut thy door, you shut the world out around you. It says, Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. He that dwelt in the secret place. Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. He that dwelt in the secret place. Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. It says, And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Thy father that you hang out with in the secret place rewards you openly. That's called answered prayer. That's the Christian's reward that lives in the secret place of the Most High. They don't just visit there and they spend all their time in the world doing what the world does. And every once in a while they come there just to check in and say, Hey, wow, this is nice in here. They live there. It's our lifestyle. And for the world we live in, you need to learn how to step in the secret place 
through all the turmoil, the fear, the unbelief, the uncertainty, and all the bad news we're blasted with every day, you need where that secret place is. He says, when you're in there, your Father which saith in secret shall reward thee openly. I praise God for the anointing that a Christian can demonstrate to the world. And I want to say what I said the other day. I like the way Dr. Barclay says it. His definition of the anointing of God is the presence of Jesus. And, you know, I, I think about when I was a truck driver, really, my, my life and my ministry was so similar to what it is as a pastor. I, I couldn't understand how I can meet people as a truck driver for the first time, and next thing I know, they're unloading their marriage troubles to me, their kid troubles, their addiction to pornography, and the, unload their lives to me. That's because when you carry the presence of Jesus, it jumps off on people. And they, and they know whether they're born again or whether they're a hurting Christian, they know, I can trust this man. I can trust this lady. Do you remember what the lady, <clears throat> excuse me, that Jesus was talking to, when, she, when uh, Jesus told her, said, hey, he said, I know you, you're not married. And said, the one you're living with is not your husband, and you're saying he is, but said, you've had five, and this one, you're not even married to him. But he said that to help her get set free. He said, I'll give you living water. And then that woman turned around, started witnessing all of her friends, said, this man's got to be the Messiah. Said, he's told me everything I've ever done. And when we are people that live in the secret place of the Most High, preachers for sure should live there, but believers should live there. And when you do, everywhere you go, you're automatically a preacher because you've got the anointing that's the Spirit of Jesus and you help people. Amen. Amen. So anyway, I wanted you to see that right here. said, he that liveth in the secret place of the Most High, and Jesus said, that's when you go to your prayer closet in secret and you hang out with the Most High. Now that was the number one thing I see in this first verse. Then I want you to notice the second thing. It says, in this, that my, the fans blow my stuff around. The second thing says this. It says, they shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. One of my ushers grabbed this thing and aimed that one right there a little different. It's blowing my stuff around. That says, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so what that means is this. You stay close to God, so close that his shadow covers you. And you think about, think about today. If you were outside today and you would do anything outside today, it was really nice to get out of the shadow of a tree or out of the shadow of a building or even beside a tall van or something like that, anything to block off the heat. Well, the devil tries to turn the heat up on your life at every opportunity. And it says right here that we can abide under the shadow. And how do we get close to God? Two things I know of. You spend time in your prayer closet praying, and you spend time in your Bible meditating on the Word of God. And when you do that, you're getting so close to God, His shadow covers you. And you know, when, when I think about that, I th think about uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, says that, that our, we are dead to the world, and our life is hid with Christ in God. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Something else is not in my notes. I'll just throw this out there to think about it. 
because this, this, this here, Psalms 91 is going to talk about the armor of God. How many know the armor of God from Ephesians 6? Put on the armor of God. Well, think about this. If you ever saw a real suit of armor, those guys wear, you've probably seen them in old movies and stuff, maybe in a museum, they put all that metal on, and they got the metal on, they're inside of there, they put that helmet on, they pull that flap down, and you don't know who's in there. And so the devil comes to attack, you got the armor of God on, whose armor is it? God's armor. And so if you see God's armor walking down the street, you got to think God's in there. Think about what I'm saying. We're hidden in God, got the armor on, and the devil looks at you and thinks, oh no, here comes God again. Get a hold of that. We need to stay suited up and recognize where we are. We need, and as we look at Psalms 91, the things we're going to look at, we need to know that the Word of God works when we work the Word. The Word of God works when we work the Word. And so, let's look at this now. By the way, thank you, Susan. And so, the verse 2 then, we're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, we're standing under His shadow, and then He says, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. And, you know, let me just throw something out there. I, I see stuff on the social media, stuff like that. We're Christians. Quit being goofy and anti-God. Is God a small G or a capital G? Do me a favor. If you're going to post about my God again, put his G up there where it belongs. Amen. Amen. I will say of the Lord, and don't attribute the calamity, the disaster, the horrors going on out there like it's the will of God. We're talking right now from Psalms 91. We are his people. We live in the secret place. We're under his shadow. So we need to learn the language of faith. And that's what, to me, that's what this is all about. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know but two languages. I know English and I know tongues. And I talk in tongues more than English. Most of the time. Yeah, there was Robert a while ago and Robert tried to have a conversation. I was lost over there praying in tongues. Robert said, oh, you're praying up, Pastor. I said, oh. I said, I wasn't conscious. I said, yeah. I said, I try to keep it low when I'm in Walmart. <laughs> but that doesn't always work. And so anyway, uh, we've got to learn the language of faith. It says, I will say of the Lord. And so listen to this. When you're a visitor in a foreign country, it makes your visit easier if you learn the language. And, you know, I think about the last time I was down in uh, Nicar Nicaragua. I think Robert Susan with me, man. They all tried to teach me the language down there. And uh, I really wanted to learn it when I was down there when I was in Peru. It's really, you get, you get really, it's, it's hard to do anything if you can't speak what they speak. But for us on earth, we got to know that as believers, our citizenship is in heaven, but we're temporary visitors on earth. And so our native language as citizens of heaven, how many believe that? The Bible says we're citizens of heaven. So as citizens of heaven, shouldn't our native language be the language of heaven? What's the language of heaven? It's faith. What is faith? Speaking the word. God doesn't speak anything but the word. Why is that? Because when God talks, that's his word. And so when God talked and people wrote it down, what did they do? They wrote down his language. 
So the Bible is the language of God. The Bible is the language of faith. And so if we want to successfully navigate through this realm down here, we better start perfecting the language of faith. And that's what I see right here in Psalms 91 is a, a lesson on the language of faith. Now look at this. So here, here's, here's Moses said, I live in the secret place of the Most High. How many believe, believe Moses lived there? <coughs> he says, I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then he says, I will say of the Lord. Oh, you just can't tell what God might do. That's not what he said. I will say of the Lord. Well, I don't know if that was God or if that was the devil. You know, a lot of Christians live that way. Well, I don't know if that was my thought or if that was God. I don't know. That's not what Moses said. I know what Jesus told me in John 10, 10. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. Said, I come that they might have and enjoy life. It abundance to the fold till it overflows. Uh, teaches sowing and reaping. Walking in love. There's so many things that we know the Bible teaches. You ought to immediately know when thoughts come to your head if they're God or not. Does it still kill or destroy? Or does it give you life? Does it speak curses to you? Or does it bring blessings on you? And when God warns you of something, it's not going to be fear to your head. It's going to be speaking to your heart in a still small voice. If you're starting to go astray and do things wrong, you're going to know down here. You're just going to know what goes on. But the first thing you've got to do is what Moses teaches here, learn the language of faith. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He's my God. In him will I trust. And as believers, when you go to reading verses like this out of the Bible, you need to make that personal for you. Said he's my God. He's my deliverer. He's my fortress. In him will I trust. Somebody said, well, you know what the news said. Well, I, I read the good news more than listen to the bad news. So I know what the good news said for the time we live in. Uh, and when I go to the gas pump, sometimes it's really hard to speak the good news. So when I look at the gas pump, I just start praying in tongues. I start praying in tongues. I know when I'm praying in tongues, I pray a perfect prayer. That's what I do. I am not going to be a scorner. I, I taught on Psalms one Sunday night about a scorner. A scornful person murmurs, whines, complains about everything, but does nothing to change anything. I'm driving a rental car right now because mine's been repaired at the body shop. And Robert said something a while ago about that car has become part of me or something like that. I said, not this gas hall. I guess not. I said, Robert, I'm not going to murmur, so I'm not going to talk about it. I said, I don't enjoy putting $50 every day in this blessed car. Because the rental places, I guess everybody else got the economical jobs. So I got the big, powerful, woo car that sucks in gas, boy. But I'm not going to murmur about it. I'm going to keep my mouth right, going to keep my heart right. Amen. I will say of the Lord. He supplies all of my gas needs. That's what I'll say of the Lord. I'm not going to be murmuring, complaining, and I'm teaching you the language of faith. And then, verse 3. Uh, Moses says, surely he shall deliver thee, you. But I always read this this way. I will say of the Lord, surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence. That means anything Satan throws my way that I'm not going to talk about how the devil's been trying to show up at my house all week long. 
I'm going to say, surely he delivers me and my family every time he delivers me. I was praying for somebody the other day, and when I was praying for them, they tried to wonder what's going on. I said, you're doing the right thing. Satan doesn't like it. You know, here's what I know about Christians I've learned in my own life, that whether you're a good Christian or a carnal Christian or a sinner, trouble's going to come. Instead of trying to figure out the why, you need to know two who's. Number one, who did it? Satan. Number two, who's your helper? Jesus. And so as long as you know those two things, then the third one's you. And if a Christian is even a little bit serious about their walk with God, you don't have to ask a preacher if you've done wrong. You know it. You have to go get on Facebook and everybody else said, Hey, you think this is okay if you're a Christian and you go to church and you read the Bible, you know if things are right or things are wrong. And especially if you're getting attacked and you're having a hard time shaking to get rid of it, if God doesn't show you anything, then man, just speak the word. I will say of the Lord and you praise him and thank him for victory. And if he showed you something to do, then pray for crop failure as you repent. Because you reap what you sow. Amen. I've done that a lot of times. I've said, Lord, 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 I see what's going on. Lord, oh, I don't want this harvest. Lord, I repent. Forgive me. I plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray for crop failure. I don't want this harvest. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to know as Christians, we have to know as Christians that the tax come. And if you don't know why they came and you didn't do a thing to cause it, then just remember the thief come to steal, kill, destroy. He's your enemy, and if you know how to talk right, you'll come out of it. And so then, verse 4, I will say of the Lord, He shall cover me with His feathers, that His wings shall I trust His truth. Here we come to the armor of God. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. My shield and buckler. And what that's talking about, when you see the when you see the, the the guy suited up in armor, they had the armor on, they had the big shield, they popped out in front of them, get behind it like a little fort they were behind, and then for everyday battle, they had the little shield. And they held that shield out there while they had their sword of the spirit. And what is the sword of the spirit? It says it's the word of God. At John seventeen, seventeen, Jesus says, Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17, he said, Your truth is my shield and buckler. And so the truth of the word of God is, By his stripes you were healed. Amen. The truth is, love never fails. The truth is, God rebukes the devourer for tithers. The truth is, come to church regularly for sake of the symbol of the saints, because that's where the anointing is. That's where the help is. There's a lot of truth out there, and you need to not only speak the truth, but do the truth. you got to do what it is you're speaking. We've taught on that a lot. And so he says right here, I'm saying to the Lord that his truth is my shield and buckler. And then I like this verse 5. I shall not be afraid. And I always, when I read that, say, because 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power to love and a sound mind. Every time I read verse 5, I say, I will not be afraid. As no matter what I'm facing in life, no matter what comes my way, I go to this 
and I say, I shall not be afraid because God has not given me the spirit of fear. What am I doing? Now listen, I'm going to say this again. This is teaching the language of faith. We're citizens of heaven. If we're here representing heaven, we got to know the language. This is God talking God's word. And so if you talk to, to somebody, if you were in a foreign country and you were trying to teach them English, you would teach English, you would talk English, the language of where you came from. Amen? If you're in, if you're in a South American, Central American country, and you're down there, you're going to learn their language, they're going to speak what they speak down there. And if you're going to function down there and be able to get through there successfully, you're going to learn what they're saying so you can get what you need. Amen? And so for heaven's language, you've got to know heaven's language is speaking the word of God. It's speaking the word of God. It's speaking the word of God. No matter what comes your way, it's speaking the word of God. And uh, I teach this all the time. And I, 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 was telling, I was telling somebody a while ago, talking about this here, Brother Hagen taught me so much. And he, he's such a good faith teacher. He said he taught this all of his ministry. He ministered like something like 70 years before he went to heaven. And he said he taught the same thing for all 70 years, faith. He taught people how to talk right. He taught them how to be healed. And he said other preachers that like to have the newest thing to tickle people's ears and just give somebody something to do, they say, well, we're going to teach something different. He said when they get it. He said they really not got a hold of you. I'm going to keep on teaching it and teaching it and teaching it and teaching it because people got to win. And the only way you're going to win is to learn the language. And so as you go down through here, I, I want to point out something. The first uh, 13 verses, just mark this down. I'm going to go through here as quick as I can because the time. The first 13 verses are you confessing, you're confessing what God says about you and what God will do for you. You're confessing about what you believe about him. And then verse 14 through 16, after you've made your confessions, look at this. This is God now talking back to Moses. This is God talking back to you. It says, because, and I, I just have to read this, how I do it, because where I live at the secret place of the Most High, this is the way I talk to him. Because Bernie has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver Bernie. I will set Bernie on high because he has known my name. Et cetera, et cetera. And so get a hold of this, because I don't know how far I get as I'm talking tonight, but those first verses are like what Jesus said in John 14. In John 14, Jesus said, He that loveth me knows my commandments and keeps them. He that loveth me does my word. And so because you have set your love upon him, number one, because you're speaking his word, and then number two, because you live by his word, he says, because Leah has set her love upon me. How did Leah set her love, set her love upon him? She says, my children are being trained the way they should go, so when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. I'm training my children right. I'm teaching my children, children, you always want to go to church you always want to know who your pastor is. You always want to fellowship with the saints so you have strength to go out and work in the world. Amen. She's teaching her children right because she speaks the word of God. And so then God calls that because Alexis has set her love upon me. Therefore, will I deliver Alexis? I will heal her. I will deliver her. I will set her on high. And whatever your name is, you've got to see this. This is what Psalms 91 says 
You learn the language of faith. And then God says, God says, because Reba, because John have set the love upon me. Have they set the love upon him? Because they said, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. There's a lot of people that go around saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And Jesus told them about them, the book of Luke. He said, a lot of people like that. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. But the people like we're talking about tonight set the love upon him because they're not phonies. They speak the word of God in the public, in the church, in their house, everywhere they go. A crisis come. I, another thing I learned off Brother Hagin years ago, I always taught my leadership, taught my family. When bad times come, a common thing to say is, but what are we going to do? I like to say this. We'll just act, let's just act like the Bible's true. Let's just act like God meant what he said. And you know, if it's financial crisis, I know what my family's always done. Well, you know what? God multiplies our seed sown. We reap what we sow. What we've got's not enough to do what we've got to do. So let's just pray and let the Lord show us somebody that has a need right now. And we'll sow this seed and like the Bible's true. And guess what? Without fail, out of all of our Christian life, the harvest has always come in. Well, what, what about it? What about a bad sickness? Something, a big attack. Well, I'll tell you what, the first thing, let's do is this. Let's do what Jesus said to do in Mark 16. Let's lay hands on our son. Let's lay hands on our daughter. Lay hands on dad and do what Jesus said in the name of Jesus. Lay hands where they shall recover. And then now, let's go see the doctor. Jesus is working now. Let's go see the doctor. If we still got the problem, we get there. Let the doctor work with it too. But the main number one thing is we're acting like the Bible's true. He said, lay hands of sick, they shall recover. And you know what God calls that? Because you've set your love upon me. Therefore, here's what I'll do. And I want to read a few more of these things out of this because I really think they're going to help you. Now back up back up to uh, verse 6. I'm saying to the Lord that no pestilence that walketh in darkness nor destruction that comes at noonday it's not, going to, it's not going to hurt us. And this verse 7, I really, really love this because during the pandemic and all the things going on, uh, you know, just all the horrors of it all, faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. But when that thing hit, I'd just been delivered from heart attack and from cancer and all those kind of things like that. And they said, old person, diseases, high-risk category. And so as I stood on God's word, I looked at that all the time. I said, a thousand may fall at my left hand, ten thousand by right, it'll not come nigh me. And, you know, people say, well, somebody like that's in denial. No, I'm in the secret place of the Most High. I'm saying to the Lord what he says. He says, if I choose to live in that secret place, if I live in that prayer closet, if I stay close to that shadow, then no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Amen. Is that good preaching or what? Now get a hold of this. This is the language of faith. A thousand shall fall at my side, ten thousand my right hand shall not come nigh me. Only with mine eyes. Now listen. Here's the language of faith talking. Only with mine eyes shall behold and see the reward of the wicked. I'm not the wicked. I'm the righteous. How about you? Only with mine eyes shall be seen the reward. 
And Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, told us, said they've got their reward. And then he told the reward of the believer that goes in that prayer closet, he said their father that sees them in secret will reward them openly. He's not going to reward me with COVID. He's not going to reward me with dying before my time. He's not going to reward me with losing my house or my car or other things because there's hard times going on in the country. Amen? And one reason that puts me in that position, number one, I'm going to live right, but number two, I'm going to say of the Lord. I'm going to say of the Lord. I'm not going to say, I don't know what he might do. I know exactly what he'll do because he told me right here what he'll do. But he wants me to speak his language. So I qualify for him doing it. So we go down through all these things here. He tells us all those different things. And because of time, we're going to close off. Verse 14 through 16. I'll read this. And you need to get a hold of this. Because this is God talking to you, the believer, if you're talking right about him. If you're talking right about him. If you're talking right about him. God doesn't send tornadoes. He doesn't send earthquakes. There's a lot of things happen on this earth because of the fall. When that happened, there was a curse came on the earth. Jesus redeemed us from the curse, but we've got to walk in faith to walk free. Amen? He says, because, because you have set your love upon me, therefore will I deliver you. I will set you on high because you'll know my name. You shall call upon me, and I'll never answer you. What's it say? I call upon, you call upon him, I will answer him. I will be with you in trouble. If you're in trouble right now, then don't be praying, oh God, be with me. That's very, very much doubt and unbelief. He said, I will be with you. So instead of saying, please be with me, you say, Lord, I want to thank you. You told me you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You said right here in Psalm 91, I'll be with you in trouble. Guess what, Lord? I'm in trouble. Thank you for being with me. Listen to what I'm saying. Some of you are saying the wrong thing. He said, I will be with you in trouble. He says, I will deliver you. I will deliver you. I will deliver you. Can I tell some of you addicts something that will help you? This may be on the camera, not in the church. If you're addicted to whatever you're addicted to, he said, I will deliver you. Change your prey. Quit begging him to deliver you. Start thanking him. You said you will deliver me. So I just want to thank you, Lord, that your delivering power is working in me now. Amen. Amen. It's, it's hard to bless a beggar. You know, for me, I've given money to street people over the years. But most of the time, the ones I've given it to is the ones that didn't beg me. I've seen people I felt sorry for. I've walked up to them and blessed them, done things for them. But when the con jobs happened, it's really hard to do anything except get disgusted. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? We live, we live where we live at. And so think about our Father. He loves you, but he'd rather you come to him speaking his language than to come begging him. He said, I'll deliver you. Quit begging. And so if you're not begging, what are you doing? You need turned into praise. Start thanking him what he said. And then, remember our title night, it's how to live long and live strong with long life Will I satisfy Bernie and show Bernie my salvation? Salvation there means deliverance, safety, 
preservation, preservation, healing, soundness, and health with long life. And then, of course, the Bible tells us long life to God is 120 years. Psalms 90 right before this says that long life is minimum of 70 up to 80. And that's when the children of Israel were in the wilderness under judgment. And so I know, I know the will of God for my life is long life and deliverance and healing and everything he has for me. So I'm going to say of the Lord, I'm going to live long. I'm going to live strong. I'm going to have a, a sound mind. I'm going to finish the ministries given to me. I'm going to be a blessing to my children, my grandchildren, and all the other people God sent me to this earth to bless. But I'm going to live long. I'm not going for my time. How can you say that? Because I will save the Lord. With long life, he satisfied me. Amen? Amen. Amen. That helped anybody. Amen. This is the summer with the Psalms. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Glory to God. Jesus is good. Have we got music going? All right. Well, if you need prayer, come up here. And uh, I can tell you this, based upon the Word of God, that we're believers, we have anointing. And if you need anointing to help you, we've got it. But it takes two. Uh, we're ready. God's ready. But if you need something, you have to come and get it. But we'd like to pray for you if you need it. And then we'll go from there. Thank you, Tom.
Praise the Lord. Well, we love Psalm 91, don't we? Wasn't that awesome to go through there verse by verse? I absolutely love that. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, close things out. But I do want to remind you that, again, our servant leadership is tomorrow night at 630. And so if you can be there, man, come on out, help us and uh, in Victory Hall. And also uh, the church pool party is going to be on Monday the 1st. Grab one of the flyers from the info booth because we do need to get a head count in case we're going to go over the threshold. That way we can let them know, hey, we're bringing a whole lot of people. So anyway, uh, get a hold of that and please RSVP, but try to be there, man. That's going to be a super, super fun time with our families. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray tonight and then we will speak some words of faith over Barstow and we will be on our way. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for what we have seen in your word tonight. And God, we know that it's true. And we declare that we are going to live in the secret place of the Most High, Father. And we know that as we abide under that shadow of the Almighty, that you are taking care of everything else. We trust you, Lord. You are good to us. And thank you for it, Jesus. Use us the rest of this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. And we know, Lord, you're bringing us back safely Sunday so we can be together and worship you all over again. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will see you tomorrow night.